Hi guys, it's Bianca. Thank you so much for tuning back to our podcast. I hope today's message is a blessing for your life. Hi, welcome to another episode of Locked Up. Um, we've received so much good feedback from our last video. Um, thank you very much for all you have that have listened and shared and liked our video. Um, we're back again. So today we're going to be talking about the story of Joseph and true freedom or free indeed. Um, I'm here once again with my brother Oscar and Bianca. I want to remind you all to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Share these messages. They're a great blessing to many youth out there, many people that might be lost, that might not know of the gospel. Uh, This is a great way to evangelize. Many times we don't think of that, but these are great ways to get the word out there. So let's dive right in. Um, Sister Bianca is going to give us a summary of today's story. You're in for a treat. This is one of one of my favorite stories, and um, I'm very excited. All right, guys. So we basically start off with Potiphar's wife, and he she basically um, tells her husband that Joseph has been trying to take advantage of her. So Potiphar gets mad and throws Joseph in jail, in prison. Um, once he's in prison, though, the warden of the prison actually gives him the title of commissioner. So he actually becomes a leader inside the prison. Um, just And it just kind of shows that, um, Joseph's faithfulness or um, the way God was still with him even in jail because he was in charge of everything still. And he gets thrown in there. He meets the cupbearer and the winemaker. He interprets their dreams. And to one of them, he actually tells them, oh, remember me um, when you get out of here in hopes that Joseph will come out of jail. Um, But two years pass by and then Pharaoh starts having some dreams. And that's when the cupbearer actually remembers about Joseph. Um, He says there's this guy that could interpret dreams. So Pharaoh takes Joseph out of jail and Joseph was able to interpret um, Pharaoh's dreams. And Pharaoh was really astonished at this because no one from the whole land was able to do this. And Pharaoh was like, since no one was able to interpret dreams but you, I'm going to make you the leader of, I'm not sure, of Egypt or, yeah, the leader of Egypt. So you're going to be like the main guy. Um, So Joseph then comes out of jail and then that's where he's at. So... Once that happens, Joseph does a really smart move, and he in that dream that he interpreted for Pharaoh, he says that there's going to be seven good years of like abundance of food, and then the seven years of a famine. And Joseph um, did the smart choice of saving the food for um, the famine. He was just preparing for the famine. So once the seven years of famine start happening, the whole land of Egypt then he needs food and his brothers that were the ones that kind of sold him um, were forced to come to Egypt and ask for food. And I think Joseph was shocked or surprised when he sees his brothers come asking for food. And when he sees them, he kind of pretends that he doesn't know them. And he's doing a back and forth thing, saying, oh, I want Benjamin, which is his younger brother, to come back. And Jacob, the dad, doesn't want to send Benjamin out. Um, But the famine is really bad. So they have to send out um, Benjamin. And at the end, basically, 
um, at the end, Joseph can't keep up the facade anymore. He tells them, um, this is me. I'm your brother, the one that you guys sold. The brothers are all shocked. And yeah, that's basically it. That's amazing. Honestly, this is a great story because it has so much spiritual richness to it. And there's so much we can relate to. Um, part of the reason why we do this series is because we explore the stories of men and women in the Bible that at some point were in prison, right? And whether it's a physical imprisonment, an emotional imprisonment, or even a spiritual imprisonment, how their trust in God led them to realize that freedom. And that's what we want to focus on, the freedom. That's the topic of today. But going back to the story, something that really highlights, um, and it's a recurring theme, uh, when I was reading the story of Joseph, it amazed me that the, the topic of dream, dream, dreams come up, right? He had a dream as a, as a youth. It says that he was around 17 years old when he had his dream that he was going to, you know, be a great man or a leader of his family and that the moon and stars bowed down to him, et cetera, et cetera. But because of a dream, um, that led him to a difficult process because his brothers were jealous. And that's why they sold him into slavery. He ended up in Potiphar's home. He was, um, he was accused falsely. And because of a interpretation of a dream, he came out of prison two years later. And because of the interpretation of the dream, um, uh, Pharaoh's dream, he was the second-hand man in Egypt. So dream, 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 right? Um, and and this, uh, this really resonates with me because I have a dream. I don't know if you have a dream. I don't know if you have a dream out there listening to us. Dreams, promises, or aspirations, they're all equivalent. They're all synonymous. So many times I think the Lord or we have dreams or the Lord has promises for us, but we don't know what the process is. We don't know how it's all going to roll out, how it's all going to unfold. And that's something difficult to accept at times. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that dreams, you know, they're very, um, uh, they're very complicated. Um, and I definitely believe that, that God does use dreams. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, we might get like a random dream and we start to, you know, start to think about it like, oh, what could that mean? What could that mean? But, you know, in this case, I imagine Joseph, you know, he took that same, um, um, like, he went about it the same way where he was like, what does that mean? What does that mean? And God, you know, he was so excited about it. You know, I would be excited too to share it my, with my, my brothers, my families and be like, hey, I had this dream. And there was, I think it was, what, uh, 11 stars and the sun and the moon, they all bowed down, you know, before me. And, you know, but I think his, his brothers and, and his, um, his, his dad, you know, they might have taken it the wrong way. But to him, he was like, whoa, you know, like, what could this mean? And a lot of times, you know, it happens to us where we have dreams and, and we're like, what could this mean? You know, personally for me, um, I, I try not to, you know, uh, over, you know, interpret my own dreams where I could be like, wow, I got a million dollars. That's going to happen tomorrow. But, you know, like personally, I've had dreams where I'm just like, and, and I, you know, I just wake up and I'm just like, like, God, you think you, you think that's for me or or is that the direction you want me to go? Like, what else could that mean? But, you know. I think dreams are, are, are very important, but at the same time, they're very um, complicated. You're, you're right, and, and it could be a different 
array of dreams, right? It could be lifelong dreams. I wish one day I become a professional. I wish one day to be a pastor. I wish one day to do something, or it could be a dream of that sort in the short term, right? So the dream that we get from Joseph is a long-term dream, and there was a long process because after reading the word, he had this dream around 17 years old, but he wasn't second in command in Egypt until around 30 years old. So there was a 13-year gap that the Lord was processing him through in order to reach that state. And when he reached that state, he was ready. So the thing I see here is that many times the Lord shows us the dreams um, in our lives, or maybe he puts a desire in our hearts, but he doesn't give us the details of the process we will go through in order to reach that dream. What are your thoughts on that, Bianca? Yeah, as I was reading that, I couldn't help but think, well, you know, this time period or in the Old Testament, um, God did speak more often through dreams, right? And we have to put ourselves, maybe like I would talk to people, talk to youth, they're like, well, I don't have any dreams in the night. <laughs> like, it's just pure black. Um, <laughs> but I think that's kind of more intimate. It makes you kind of seek Christ a little more. Like, okay, you're not literally giving me a dream, um, but it makes you kind of forces you to talk to God. Okay, God, like reveal to me what is that dream? And I think at least for us, those dreams are revealed through the Bible. Um, I, I think every son and daughter of Christ has a promise. And I think that it's up to us to, I don't know, entangle that as we read the Bible. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, dreams are a little hard to interpret, right? And, and as Joseph said, it's not for us to interpret them. It's God's to interpret them. So when I talk about dreams, I talk about purpose or a promise that the Lord has given us. And like I said, um, it was difficult for Joseph to go through the different challenges and the obstacles and uh, different things that he, sufferings that he had to go through in order to reach the end of that dream. Because the Lord basically, through the dream, promised him, right? He promised him greatness. And many times we think it's a linear path, just one after the other. We're going to go from higher to higher to higher, and then we're going to reach the top. But many times there's dips and valleys in the process, right? And just like we see Joseph, he was thrown in the pit. He was sold as a slave. He was accused falsely. He was thrown in jail, forgotten about. Then he interprets the dream, and he says, hey, don't forget about me when you go, get back to, to serving the Pharaoh. Two years later, it wasn't two months, it wasn't two days, two years later, oh, I remember Joseph. He interpreted my dream. Maybe he can interpret your dream, Pharaoh. So in my insight, or, or what I would say is that the Lord has given us, each one of us, a dream, a promise. I'm using those terms interchangeably, not necessarily dreams that we have at night or anything like that, but a dream or something that we strive for in our hearts something that we might think is unattainable. And we say, you know, hey, the Lord promised me ministry. The Lord promised me the gift of tongues. The Lord promised me a whole bunch of stuff. But we don't know what, it's, what we're going to have to go through in order to reach that. And all I can really say is examining the, the story of Joseph is that the, the hurdles, the obstacles, and the challenge only come to validate the fact that there's a path for us, that, the, that we're going to reach that end state. Because... Why would the enemy try to discourage Joseph and, and try to put him 
in in a emotional bind or or prison per se, since we're talking about locked up, if that wasn't going to come to fruition. What are your thoughts on obstacles, Oscar? Um, well, you know, a verse that while I was you know reading through this and you know going through the Bible and and um, everything you know studying it, um, Proverbs three five was one of the verses that came up while I was um, studying and. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And, you know, when I was reading the story of Joseph, um, you know, I felt like this, this verse in Proverbs really resonated as well. Um, just because when we, go out, when we go out, you know, through this process, um, we tend to, to believe in ourselves or, or we tend to lean more to ourselves. Like, I had this dream. It has to happen. Or I had this dream. What does it mean? And you know, we get overworked, we get comp we get like complicated within ourselves and frustrated. And we're just like, well, you know, how do how do I go about it? And, you know, this verse, it says lean not on your own understanding. But I think it's it's heading towards, you know, trusting God that we might like Joseph, you know, at the beginning, we might not understand why we see these stars bowing. And and and, and then 30 years later, you know, we see or not 30 years. It's like 17 years later where he he sees his brothers and he's just like, oh, like what's going on like they're here and i'm not sure you know if he if he if he realized you know that that dream came true and so it, i think you know trusting god is 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 very huge when it comes to dreams because you know we might not understand when it's going to happen why it's going to happen or what the the meaning behind it is but trusting god you know in, in dreams is is the only way for them for us to realize what they mean and 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 the purpose of it and the purpose of our lives as well because obviously this dream you know this dream has to or whatever dream has to um, correlate with you know with what god is wanting to do with us and you know us as youth no i i totally agree with what you're saying and kind of going back to that uh challenges and obstacles and, and trusting the lord i mean how do you think joseph felt right um going through those challenges going through those difficult stages throughout the process i mean many times if we bring it back to our lives we have these dreams and maybe like you said you share it with your uh, friends you share it with your family but maybe we don't get the reaction that we're waiting we don't get that motivation maybe they're all like oh you're just dreaming right and maybe maybe you know it's not meant for you or yeah yeah that that's a great dream but ah, maybe it's not for you <laughs> maybe maybe it was just a desire, a plan. Maybe you thought the Lord has this promise for you. And many times I think we fall into our prisons and we ourselves can imprison ourselves with low self-esteem, um, with low expectations. We start focusing on our weaknesses. We start seeing that we're not enough. We're all like, yeah, you're right. How can the Lord use me if I'm not perfect? How can the Lord use me if I'm not that smart? How can the Lord use me if I'm an introvert? How can I lead people? And we tend to imprison ourselves emotionally. And that's a worse type of imprisonment because you imprison yourself. Or maybe others have. Maybe you told your brothers and your brothers are like, you're crazy. And you're all like, yeah, I am maybe, right? <laughs> maybe I'm aspiring too much. Maybe I'm thinking too much of myself. But have you ever gone through something like that, Bianca? Yeah, I feel like I resonate a lot with this. Um, I feel like Joseph overall, at least when we read in the beginning of Genesis about Joseph, he seems like a pretty like happy-go-lucky person, right? Like he seems pretty like 
innocent, if I were to say, when he talks to his family about his dreams, right? And I feel like a lot of us get excited about what maybe God wants to do with our lives, and we go out sharing it to people. And I don't think it's wrong, especially him. He said it to his family. The people you expect to actually, like, kind of applaud you, motivate you, you, and they immediately shut him down, like, throw him in the pit, right? About that. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel, I mean, I feel like it's happened to me where I get excited about something, but I definitely, like, self-imprison, just being a girl in general, like, I feel like I'm just like, no, I can't do that because I'm a girl, like, they're going to look at me this way, blah, blah, blah. So it's just, like, layers of things, and then you're just like, I'm like, it's, it's multifaceted, right? Yeah. It could be our background. It could be our education. It could be our upbringing. It could be our sex. It could be our education. It could be a million things that come against us. And these hurdles and these challenges, honestly, the way I see it, just come to validate the fact that the Lord has a promise with us. Do you think Jesus, on his way to the cross, he was like, eh, I'm going to the cross? No. <laughs> He had a crown of thorns. He had people beating him up. He had people spitting in his face. He had people mocking him. Hey, if you're the the son of God, get down, get down. You cured so many. You freed so many. You can't free yourself. You know, I I see situations like David uh, when he went to the battlefield and he heard he was just obeying his father. Hey, take some food to your brothers. They're in the battlefield. And then his big brother Eliab uh, says in 1 Samuel 17, 28, when Eliab David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. So he was already kind of keeping him in his place. You're just a shepherd of a few sheep. I know how conceited you are. Why did he call him that? To a certain extent, he was projecting, right? Because Eliab really was the, that, that, that brother that was very um, proud. Uh, we see, him, see it later um, it, in the story when Samuel came to um, anoint David as the future king that the Lord had discarded Eliab. Why? Only, only the Lord knows the condition of their heart. But to a certain extent, he was projecting that conceitedness. But the point here is that David also had those challenges. And we, you read the story of, of Joseph, of Paul, of Peter, of Jesus. They all had challenges. So if you're having challenges in your life, hey, congratulations. The Lord has promises for you. That dream, that desire that, that burns within you, that, that aspiration hey, it might come true. It will come true if we allow it, right? And one of those obstacles that I see in Joseph's story was false accusations. Wow, like, I think one of the worst things, okay, he knew that his brothers were jealous of him. He knew that his brothers, you know, they probably picked at him. Hey, you have that cloak of many colors. Who are you to think you're better than us? Whatever, etc. But he was doing the right thing. He went to Potiphar's home. He was second in command in his home. And, you know, life was good to a certain extent. You know, he had reached a little bit of balance. But all of a sudden, this this woman full of lust for him says, hey, sleep with me. You know, it it says in the Bible that he was a, a very handsome young man like you and I are. 
<laughs> At least Oscar. Bianca. Oh, anyways. <laughs> um, and she said, sleep with me. And he said, no, how can, how can I be that treacherous to Potiphar? He, he's commended everything in my hands, and, and this is how I'm going to treat him? No. And he fled, and she's out of spite. She just, no, look what this Hebrew young man's trying to do to me, et cetera, et cetera. And he's thrown in jail. Like, how frustrating is it when we're falsely accused? Have you guys ever been falsely accused? And what have you felt? <laughs> like, what, do you, what have you done? Well, I wanted to just quickly refer back to the case uh, or, or, you know, the um, scenario with uh, David, you know, and his brother. What caught my attention was that his brother was like, you're so conceited. And in itself, I think that's a, that's an, uh, a false accusation, you know, because when we read about David, or at least when I read about David, you know, he's so humble. And um, obviously later when he becomes king, it's a little different. But, um, you know, at the very beginning, he's so humble, like he's outside um, tending to, to his father's um, um, sheep. And so when he's like, you're so conceited, it's just kind of like, whoa, why are you saying that to your little brother, you know, who's, who's out there just doing what his dad told him to do? But, um, you know, back to the point with, uh, with us being falsely accused. Um, personally, I, I can't recall, and thank God I can't recall. But, um, you know, if I have been, um, the first thing I would think is, you know, God, you know my heart. And... Um, you know, obviously, if, we, if we've done something that leads to that, you know, then we should own up to it. And um, if, if, if we're, you know, now paying, I guess, the consequences of, of, a, of an action, you know, that was unfortunate that we, that we, you know, chose to do, that's completely different. But if it's something that, for instance, like here in Joseph's case, you know, where he, he was in the middle of, you know, the temptation, but he ran, you know, he, he fled from the, from, from the scene, you know. So it's, it's you know... All I could say is that I would, I would try my hardest. I know it's very hard, um, especially, you know, with being young and, um, you know, to have to deal with these false accusations. But the first thing I would do is just trust God because if he knows my heart, he also knows the truth. And I should be, um, I should find peace in that truth that, you know, I, I'm, I'm good. You know, I'm, I've been doing what I've been called to do. I've been doing what I'm supposed to do. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to um, uh, sink into those accusations or those thoughts, you know, because then you get lost. No, t totally. And, and something that I, I might add is bringing it back to us, right? Um, how this applies, you know, Joseph's gone, David's gone, Jesus is gone, they, they're successful, glory to God. But how about us? How can we be falsely accused? I think many times as youth, we're not understood, right? Or I'm not youth any longer, but I, w I wasn't understood as a youth. A falsely accused ac accusations can come from the people that you love the most. Your parents, where were you tonight? I was at church. Are you sure? Yeah, I was. You saw me serving. I was, they record the services. Yeah, but where'd you go afterwards? I'm like, oh, my God, right? And, and, and that, that's painful. That's hurtful. Or, or accusations from, you know, someone that you love, uh, someone that you're getting to know, like, who are you talking to? Like, well, my cousin, are you sure <laughs> she's your cousin? Like, whoa, whoa, relax, right? And those false accusations come at all times. But we can't really control those events. What we can control is how we react to those events. And that's where I see and admire Joseph, how he, how he really dealt with that. And do you have anything to add? 
Bianca? Yeah, um, I feel like with at least false accusations, there's an extreme to it where you could definitely be blindsided, like, whoa, where'd you get that from, right? And then there's somewhere like, okay, maybe they saw something and then they interpret it this way. Um, I have personally been involved in both. And at least with the extreme cases where it's like, what the, like, where did you get that from? Um, in that time, I definitely um, read, I think there's a verse in Matthew, Matthew 5.11 says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you. And at least in this time, I felt persecuted. I felt really <laughs> like, wow, they're really coming for me. <laughs> and I think that was the only verse that really helped me like, okay, God, because as a as a human being, you want to take revenge, right? You yeah, want to say something back and defend yourself. But I'm like, you know what? As long as I'll let God honor me if I, I know what I who I am, what I did, and God is going to basically back me up. You know? And I think you bring up a good point because it's a decision that we make for us to either fall into that prison of feeling helpless, mm -hmm. feeling impotent, feeling um, just helpless in general. Right. Um, and I think we learn that from Jesus. Honestly, when I look at Jesus, how many times was he accused even of of being demonized? Right. When he was freeing people, when he was healing the sick and he was they're still. No, no, no. You're doing it through the power of Beelzebub. Like what in the world? What's going on? Right. But what's so great about Jesus that inspires us and, and teaches us to walk in his footsteps is that even though he was accused by Judas, by the Pharisees, his accusers, he didn't act in vengeance. He acted in love. And speaking of Judas, I mean, he knew since the beginning he was going to hurt him. He knew that he was going to sell him. Or maybe he, he knew that that was his end. Maybe he didn't know the process in his humanity because Jesus was man as well. But he still loved him. He still had him eat beside him. He entrusted his finances to him, even though he knew he was a thief. And everybody knew him. We all know now because it's in the Bible. But to love your enemies? Wow. That's, that's, and, and the thing is, many times we can't even call them enemies because there are family members. There are spiritual family members, brothers and sisters in Christ can come and accuse us incorrectly because of assumptions, because someone said, and many times I feel that we as youth, we fall into that trap and we become entrapped and, and fall into those emotional prisons where we're like, oh my God, I was doing so good. I was serving uh, the Lord with all my heart. And then this comes and you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to uh, retract. I'm going to stay at home. I'm not going to go to church because the brothers are bad because they're accusing me. I mean, I have never been thrown into a pit, <laughs> but Joseph was. I've never been sold into slavery, but Joseph was. And he was able to, at the end, forgive them. I mean, how many trespasses have we not committed the Lord as well? And we act like, oh, we're, we're so righteous and I do no harm to no one. How many times do we, are we even worse than Judas? Judas sold him for a bag of coins. What do we sell him for? for our perception with our friends, to be cool, to be in the moment. How many times have we sold Jesus in our daily walk? 
at work. Oh, no, no, I'm not going to pray for my food. Something as simple as that. Oh, oh, I'm not going to speak freely of of the gospel because, you know, then I'm going to be that guy or that girl or that Christian. So who are we not to forgive and not act in love? Which brings me to the next point, which is faithfulness of devotion in the midst of trial. Perseverance. Um, Something that amazes me and something that that always has amazed me is the fact that it's not like faithfulness is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not. It's a personal decision. You don't overcome and, you know, you tremble and the Holy Spirit comes and then you speak a few tongues and now I'm faithful. Now I'm not going to be treacherous to the Lord. Now I'm not going to commit mistakes or sin or anything. No, it's a personal decision that comes from the heart. Do you have any input on that, Oscar? You know, being faithful in in a hard situation or, or um, in difficult circumstances is is something that you that God won't overlook. And there's a verse that um, I I found and, and it, it really um, impacted me. It's James one twelve. It said, "Blessed is the one who preserve." Uh, perseveres under trial because having stood the test, the person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And, you know, bringing it back to Joseph, he went through a lot, you know, being um, hurt by his own brothers, being hurt um, at work, if we could put it that way, um, you know, being hurt by, by someone who you thought could help you or save you. Um, he went through a lot. And at the end of it all, you know, he was he was faithful. He remained faithful. And being faithful to God is just something so special because God sees that and, and he won't overlook that. And um, especially when we're being hurt by, you know, like family or friends. And it, I, I would never recommend, and I don't recommend to any of the youth um, to lock themselves up after enduring these situations or, or circumstances because you don't benefit or you don't gain anything. And... And as faithful as God is, he will always be there for us. And as faithful as we are, you know, it's like it's a relationship that we have with God. It's a, it's a relationship that we have with Christ. Christ is, you know, the, the husband and, and the church is the wife. And we can take that to in, in a, a micro level, if, if we can call it that, you know, us and Christ. You know, um, he's someone that will, will never turn his back on us. He's someone that will never uh, lock us up or throw us in a pit, you know. Um, so being faithful is, you know, is something that we should always be conscious of and, you know, never turn our backs on. Yeah, I agree with that, Oscar. I would like to add also to that. I think we, um, have this perception of what faithful is. And I think at least for in today's world, we equate, um, faithfulness with coming to church. Like as long as I come to church, I'm being faithful. Or we tend to equate it with actions, right? Um, And I think that's the wrong in all of it. Being faithful is the relationship, like you said, Oscar. It's the, I want to go back to the heart posture situation. (laughs) Um, Being faithful is much more than what I think we make it out to be. Um, 
I think that we tend to get caught up with the, the sacrifices more than as long as I'm doing this, this, yeah, this, I'm being faithful. And in reality, it's really not like that. You know what? You're right. Um, unfortunately, whether it's our society, our upbringing, or our understanding, we misconstrue things with sacrifice. Like you said, bringing it back to the analogy of marriage, uh, which what you were bringing up, and faithfulness in, in the action. Many times, faithfulness or love toward your spouse, um, out there, what it's defined as is expensive jewelry, chocolates, and flowers. Yeah, but what if I'm cheating on her? What if I'm speaking with another woman? What if in my heart I don't love her? I can buy as many chocolates as I want, but that doesn't show my true faithfulness to her. I can buy as much jewelry as I want, a house, a car, etc. But that does not show my devotion. Same thing with the Lord. Yeah, we can applaud, we can praise, we can sing, we can serve, we can come to church, we can do a million things. But that does not define our faithfulness. And our faithfulness to the Lord is really, like you said, our heart posture. Despite the circumstances, despite the challenges, despite whatever it is that we're going through, what's our conviction? What's our true love that's burning inside of us? Um, I think you have something to say. I think now with like, the culture we, I guess, we live in, you know, unfortunately, um, we see what the world defines as being faithful or what the world thinks love is, you know? And last night, and every time pastor says it or every time I hear it, that love isn't something that you just wake up feeling. Or love isn't, you know, I guess he, I, I, I guess he meant it like a, a choice. Um, or no, 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 it's a, I forgot what he said. But like, you know, it's not something that we wake up feeling. It's, it's, it's a decision we consciously make. And this was a decision, you know, bringing it back to Joseph that he said, how can I, you know, when, when um, um, Potiphar's uh, wife was like, sleep with me. And he's, how could I sin against my God? And, and that's when he chose to run. And, you know, that was a, a conscious decision he made to be faithful. And a lot of the times, you know, we, we interpret it as, oh, um, as long as he's only talking to one girl, or as long as she's only doing this, or as long as he's only doing that, or as long as, you know, whatever. It, that, that's what we see a lot that the world or, or a lot of people in, in our age group define as love and faithfulness. But, you know, us as Christians, we look at faithfulness and love as a completely different thing. You know, love is God. He's the definition of love, and he shows us love through his son. You know, us being sinners sent his only son to die on the cross for us. You know, so that's basically the point that I just wanted to make was that, you know, the culture, it changes everything. And we can't go based off what the culture thinks love and faithfulness faithfulness is. We have to go based off what we see, what we learn, what we um um, you know, see from God in, in his word. What well, you know, the only way we're gonna get to know God and, and Christ is through seeking him through his word and prayer and stuff like that. So, you know. No, I agree with you. Um I feel like I don't know if it is a cultural thing, but I feel like for us, at least for in our generation group, it's so easy for us just to walk away from something. Like we just let it go. Um and I, I think that shows the I don't know deprivation of where we're at. We're just so easily we just let things go. And I think the only way to have a or like for our faithfulness to grow is to have that reality with Christ. And I think all of us have to come to a point where we ask ourselves, okay, God, like 
where am I at? How am I with you? And what is holding me to you? Why am I coming to church? What What is the reality? And I mean, I've asked myself that, and I, I know what it is that keeps me coming back, my faithfulness. Um, but that's what I wanted to add. Yeah, and um, totally agree with you. Um, something that Oscar was saying that that we want to drive home is the fact that faithfulness is a personal decision. It's a conscious decision. It's not a spirit. It's not a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not something you attain by, you know, having oil poured down your head or anything like that. And like you said as well, it's just to validate, many times we ghost God, right? It's true. Like, to, to speak yeah. it in, 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 in common terms, we ghost God. And why? Because sometimes, and going into our next point, we see that God's appointed people, our brothers in Christ, maybe cause us harm, and we attribute that harm to God. And we say, I'm going to leave church because this person accused me falsely, because this person did to me, because I can't believe they're serving doing that. But are they God? It's ridiculous to a certain extent, but we don't see it that way. It's kind of like, you know what? Oscar got me mad, so I'm not going to talk to Bianca. What? Like, that doesn't make sense, right? But in our minds, at the heat of the moment, in our frustration, in our dark pit where we fall, because I'm bringing this back to where the brothers threw Joseph into the pit. That's where he, his initial captivity started. In that pit, what type of thoughts do you think Joseph was having at that moment? My God, I haven't done anything. Why are my brothers doing this? They're my, they're my blood. They're the people that are supposed to care for me. I'm the youngest. I don't know uh, what's in this pit. Maybe there's scorpions, snakes, whatever. I could die here. And I'm overhearing my brother saying, let's kill him? How many times have we heard that in our congregations? How many times have we heard that even with, among our own maybe siblings? How does that make us feel? And then because of that, sometimes our relationship with God is severed because we say, you know, how can you allow this, Lord? How can, how can this happen to me? No, you know, everything's good. I was praying. I was reading the word. But that's not God. That's your brothers. That's your sisters. And God calls us, and this is, we're getting to the amazing part where, where Joseph is totally free from this. But those are things that bind us. Those are things that entrap us, that, that keep us in a dark hole and in a pit, in a literal pit. You can't see anything. I, I bet he stayed overnight in that pit, and it's cold, it's frigid, it's, it's lonely. It's, and overhearing your brothers laughing, mocking, making plans to kill you? I mean, honestly, that's where Joseph fell into a pit. And he didn't come out of that pit that night, that week, that month. It took years to come out of that pit. But it was possible. Any input, Oscar? Well, um, one of the, well, a previous conversation, first off, that we had before was that, you know, we tend to put um, people on a pedestal. And I, I do see that a lot, you know, especially with myself. I've done it before where, you know, my closest friends, I will, I will put them up there. And just because they're Christian, I think, you know what, they'll never do this to me. Um, and when it happens, you're just surprised. You're like, oh, my God. 
why did they why did they do that and and you're just like god why like they're my brother my you know they're christian they're they're supposed to be like you but you know they're supposed to be like christ they're not they're not christ and in hebrews um 13.5, let me see my wow. computer. Well said. Yeah. <laughs> Hebrews 13.5, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Um, and that's an attribute that only God in Christ has. Not, you know, me, not Hurston, not Bianca. And, you know, to whoever is hearing this, you know, I hope many of you are, that we shouldn't give attributes that only God has to people. We have to remember that we all fail, you know, even myself, you know, a while back ago, you know, getting a little personal right here. I remember Bianca, she told me one time, she, she said, you're so harsh when it comes to, I guess, music. And I, I never thought about it that way. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not harsh. I, I just, I'm just telling you like what you're doing wrong, you know? And she said, no, but there's this, you're, you lack a certain grace when you, when you say this. And I thought to myself, I was like, I was like, wow, you know, like, Maybe I'm not thinking of, you know, I don't think about it consciously. But at that point, you know, I could have been Joseph's brother and Bianca would have been Joseph, you know. And, and you know, so I think that we don't look introspectively and, and, and think we're not God. We're not Christ. We're called to be like Christ, to follow his footsteps. But, you know, we can't be putting people, ourselves or anybody else, in, in, in a position where only God belongs because then we put ourselves in a pit. You know, <laughs> to, to go reflect back to, you know, the story of Joseph and being locked up is, you know, we can't be putting ourselves in in these um, prisons. And that's something, you know, that I feel like youth should definitely. You, you bring a, a good point. We can inadvertently, because many times we fall into victimization. Oh, harm is only being done to me. I'm the poor person. Oh, my God, I'm Joseph. Oh, my God, I'm Jesus. And I'm suffering so much. But how many times have we harmed people? inadvertently, whether it's conscious, unconscious, um, whether it's like you said, maybe it's with a, a, a good desire, you know, maybe just looks, looking someone up and down, making them feel bad. Oh my God, those shoes don't go with that blog. Oh my God. Oh no. Right? Or, or even like, oh, who does he think he is? Or why does he dress that way? What does he speak that way? Um, He's not our friends. He's not our, part of our circle of friendships. And we can inadvertently fall into Joseph's brother's roles. So that's something to be wary of. Don't always think it's just you and you're innocent. You're not that innocent, really. We're not that innocent. We're not. You know, we spoke a little bit about that. Like, why do bad things happen to good people? We're not good people. <laughs> we are not good people. The only good person is God, right? I don't know if you want to add something yet. Yeah, I am I definitely agree. I think we do put people in a pedestal. Um, I also wanted to add, we sometimes kind of put like, I don't know, expectations on a pedestal as well. Kind of like, oh my God, I want this hermano, this hermana to notice that I'm good. So you're trying to live up to this expectation for them, right? And it's kind of saying we place them as God or we place this expectation or who we want people to think we are as God and stuff like that. Um, but that's what I wanted to add. No, you're, you're definitely right. And um, just going toward, because we have to proceed um, toward the end of this, like, which is the epitome of the story, right? So Joseph comes out of the cell. 
Joseph comes out of the pit, and he's a second-hand man in Egypt. He's, he's reached the epitome of success. That's the, and in that time, just to give a little context, Egypt was the, the top nation. It's kind of like saying the United States nowadays, right? We're you know, everybody knows who the United States is. Anything we do, like the eyes of the world are on us. Same thing Egypt back then. And now he reaches second in command. It says, everyone will heed to your word. Everyone. And, and uh, the Pharaoh awarded him with his own signet, his own um, seal. Um, and everyone, you will only be second to me other than that. Uh, than the throne, right? Like, you can't overtake the throne. You're not going to be Pharaoh. But other than that, you're boss, right? He made it. Oh, we made it success. You know, he was, he was riding in his Bentleys. He had a mansion. You know, he had gold and silver and blah, blah, blah. You would think he'd be like, all right, this is it. I'm successful. I'm happy. But it wasn't enough. And we see that when his brothers come and ask for food. And, ooh, it brought him back 15, 17 years back back to that pit, back to that loneliness. And he was bitter. He was like, oh, these are, guys are going to pay. All right. All right. I'm boss. You guys are waiting for me. And he did a couple things that were not necessarily right. He accused them falsely, right? Just like they accused him falsely. <laughs> he put the, the, his, gold, um, his gold cup into each one, uh, if to one person's sack and then accuse them. You guys are thieves. You guys are spies, blah, 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 blah. That was his outlet. But that wasn't enough. Vengeance wasn't enough. At the end, what was enough was when he cried, and this is the beginning of chapter 30, 45 of Genesis. He cried out. He's like, oh, I can just imagine, right? Oh! And it, it was a wail. It was a cry, and everybody heard it. But that's when he realized that all this suffering, all this process, all these things were for a purpose, for a reason. And until he forgave his brothers, he said, don't worry about it. The Lord turned all of this bad into good. Not until then did he come out of that pit. Like I said, he came into that pit, a 70-year-old boy, at the end, 30-odd years later, or at 30 years old or so, he came out. And many times we can be in pits for weeks, months, years, decades. But until we don't make a decision, a conscious decision to forgive whoever it is that put us in that pit or pits, your mom, your dad, maybe it's a father you never knew, a mother that abandoned you, a brother who hurt you, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, a pastor, an apostle, whatever, someone that, you, you, that put you into that pit. Not until we forgive do we tr find true freedom. And that is where the Bible states that we find true freedom called you are free indeed. That's just amazing to me. And that's like the epitome of Joseph's life, his true freedom. What do you have to add, Bianca? Yeah, I just can't help but think like maybe a whole or user like, okay, like I know I'm not free. I need to forgive someone. What are those steps to or how do I know, right? Because I ask myself that question too. Like, have I truly forgiven everyone, you know? <laughs> um, but I think one, I don't know, key thing 
if you can't like be around a certain person or your heart kind of starts palpitating when they're there I feel like that's a sign like okay you haven't forgiven someone and um I know that there's a verse that says like when some someone has something against you you have to go to up to them and ask for forgiveness and uh, I believe that we should do that but also with ourselves just being truthful to yourself you know that saying like the truth will set you free I think we have to be true to ourselves um, truthful with ourselves and be like do I truly forgive this person for hurting me and once you give that hurt up to Christ whether that be crying it out to him whether that be I don't know writing it in your diary praying it out <laughs> at least that's what I do <laughs> I write things in my diary you gotta check that yeah. diary <laughs> <laughs> Um, but and once you're able to be, it's not, and it's not saying to be like chummy, chummy best friends, right? I think that's what we get confused. Like, well, I don't want to be best friends anymore. But no, just in your heart, knowing, all right, I'm good. I could, I could breathe around the same person, you know. I could imagine, you know, when applying it personally, when Joseph, you know, when he, when he wailed out, you know, um, it wasn't just a simple like, okay, I'm good now. Like, it was more like, like you know, it was so loud that everybody heard it. We'd like to hear it. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> let me get my best shot. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. But, you know, um, you just have to think, like, how much he was holding in. That it was so loud, you know. Like, let's say here inside the, the, the temple, um, you know, the person over there outside could hear me yelling and, like, just crying out. You know, you have to imagine how much pain was inside. And when he sees his brothers after that, you know, he comes out a completely different person. He says, it's me. It's your brother. It's Joseph. It's me. So I think, you know, applying this personally, how many, how many times have we allowed ourselves, um, allowed ourselves to just cry out and be like, God, I have this inside of me and I don't know how to take it out. Or, or help me, you know, do something where this can come out and, and I can be truly free um yeah no definitely definitely um just to kind of like start circling toward the end of this i think like bringing it to your point uh the measure of forgiveness should be the measure of forgiveness that we've received jesus christ forgave all our sins at the cross he's not constantly accusing us bringing it in our face hey remember when you were an alcoholic remember when you used to watch pornography Remember when you used to steal? Remember when you still? He's not bringing that up. When we reach that state, when we no longer bring that up, whether consciously or unconsciously to our perpetrator or whoever harmed us, that's when we've forgiven. That's our measure. Because the Lord has forgiven us and he threw all that to the end and he welcomes us with open arms, whether we want it or we don't. Like you said, we don't have to be chummy. We don't have to hang out. We don't have to, you know, be best friends. We don't. But we have to have a welcoming heart. We don't have to be recurringly living that, that tra traumatic event. We don't have to be remembering that and keeping that in our heart. That's how we know you've forgiven someone. When you can think of that person and not re-incriminate them. There's no double jeopardy, right? In the spiritual world, you can't. So I think that's a good takeaway for us to, to bring back to our audience and, and those people that you might be suffering from from living in a pit all your life. You might be embittered. You might be saddened. You might be 
discontent and this leads for you to leave the church, leave Christianity. But like Brother Oscar said, and that was amazing, you know, they're Christ-like. They're not Christ. <laughs> we're supposed to be Christ-like, but many times we don't live to that measure. I mean, we're all work in progress. Honestly, we all we are. So what should we expect from people? Failure. That's what we should expect. Because at one point, we're going to fail someone. Our, our, our most beloved, our kids, our spouse, our brothers, sisters, parents, etc. But in that aspect, we should also forgive like Jesus forgave. Um, just to summarize some of the things that we spoke about, initially we spoke about the, how the Lord showed Joseph the dream for his future, but not necessarily the details to the path. Um, the Lord isn't always going to say, all right, here's the plan, you know, step A, step B, step C. So whatever you go through, just know the Lord's in control. It's his plan. He promised you this end point, but he didn't show you the details of the progress. Take it with joy. You know, uh, it's hard. It's hard. It's much easier said than done, but it's possible. The second point was being falsely accused while doing the right thing. Hey, things are going to happen. It happened to Jesus. It happened to Paul. It happened to David. It happened to everybody. In this world, you will have tribulation. That's a promise from the Lord. What do we expect? Why do we think it's all going to be rosy and, all, you know, it's going to be great. Everybody's going to hug us and congratulations. Keep going. Yes. No. Take that out of your mind. It's not going to happen. It's not. Especially as youth, many times we haven't transitioned from the child stage to the young man or young woman stage because all our lives, maybe our parents have been applauding us. Hey, what's important that you participated. But in life, there are losers. There are winners. There are struggles. There are difficulties. There's no trophy for trying. No, you're going to fail. It's part of life. The third point is we spoke about faithfulness of devotion in the midst of trial and how faithfulness is a decision, a personal conviction. It's not something that the Lord is going to bring upon. You're going to shake and all of a sudden, I'm faithful. I'm not going to cheat on the Lord. No, it's a personal decision. That's why there's a prize at the end. To those that persevere, I have the, the crown of everlasting life. Do you think everybody would get a crown if it wasn't hard? It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But it's a personal conviction that we make to ourselves. Um, fourth point is the harm caused by siblings, whether it's spiritual or literal. What do we expect? We're all human. We're all flawed. We have difficulties. And many times we can be the own perpetrators and we can harm our own brothers as well. And the fifth one was true freedom is attained when we forgive which is the whole point of this episode or this podcast or whatever you, if, if you take out one thing out of this whole thing, you want to be free, forgive. And forgive the way Jesus forgave us. Don't hold a grudge. Don't do things out of spite. Don't wish harm upon anybody. No. Wish good love our enemies. If you want to go that far, if they become an enemy and they're no longer your brother, if you classified them as an enemy, love your enemies. It's no longer eye for an eye. Love your enemies. That's difficult. That's hard. And many times you will need help for that. You can't do it on yourself. You won't just pray one time. Sometimes it takes weeks, it takes months, it takes years. Seek counsel. That's why we have 
church leadership. That, that's why you have Christian friendships. Seek counsel. You can't do it by yourself at times. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can't. And if you're not in that position, talk it out. We, I make myself available all the time. The pastor makes himself available. We have deacons. We have um, coordinadoras. We have different people. That's why the church exists. That's why the Bible calls us to congregate. Because we can't do things by ourselves. We need help. There's people that are more mature spiritually or, or in life. And that's why we're here to help. So I'd like to, to just a brief one minute, two minute um, last words, parting words? Um, well, I guess two things, you know, that resonated a lot with this story is um, trusting God was one of the big ones. And um, one thing that also resonated was, and it's throughout the Bible, it's um, try. Try to find peace, you know, with your brothers and with yourself. And um, I, a lot of you guys might be saying, it's a lot easier said than done, guys. Like, you guys are making it seem so easy. But, you know, as Christians, we believe in the Word of God, and the Word of God says in Philippians 4.13, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So, I mean, um, I don't want to say that there's, you know, there's not an excuse, but there's not because we have the one who, the Almighty on our side. Yeah, I would just also like to add um, the whole thing about, like, bitterness and stuff like that. It's just so important for us as a youth to have those friendships where they are leading us to not be bitter. I've been in that situation where literally all the people talk about is just bad stuff about people. You have to remove yourself from that situation. You have to recognize, are these people edifying me? And once you realize, all right, if these people only talk bad about people, then just try seeking those friendships. I'm always here, just so you know. You heard that, right? She's always here. <laughs> and speaking of that, um, thank you very much for joining us once again. We'd like to once again remind you, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. And also we have a new podcast channel. Uh, many times it's difficult for you to sit in front of YouTube or maybe you're working. You can download these podcasts and be listening to it um, on audio only. It's, it's a great platform and we're trying to get that out there to be a blessing to all those. Um, don't just share it to people that know Christ. Share it to people that don't know Christ, uh, your coworkers, your friends, your family, in school, etc. Let's be a blessing, right? La, la palabra dice, bendiciendo te bendeciré. So just reminding you about that, tune in for our next video, which is going to be locked up, um, Apostle Peter in prison. That's another great story. So coming soon to all podcasts near you. <laughs> God bless you. Um, please send us your comments below. Um, any ideas, any ways that we can improve this. And tell us what you think. God bless you. Bye. Hey, guys, it's Oscar. Just wanted to remind you guys that the conversation doesn't end here. This is where it starts. See you next time.